Hello, and welcome to our annual patron bonus exclusive look episode. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hello, hi, hello. Welcome back to the Rasafari podcast. And uh, yeah, it is it is that time of year, y'all, where I like to take a moment and um, give y'all a look at some of the patron bonus audio that has been put out for my patrons throughout the year. Now, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, he says, as though that is even slightly possible, uh, when I talk about patrons, I am talking about the people who support the Rossafari podcast financially. Uh, you can do so for as little as $3 a month, um, and and you do that by going to patreon.com slash Rossafari. And it just it opens up the ability for me to do a little bit more with the podcast. It, it pays for some of that gas and some of those hotels when I decide to travel to a place to get some interviews um, when I'm not you know, already touring and on the road and doing that whole thing. <laughs> Towards the end of the year here, it uh, basically was funding a monthly trip to Greensboro, where I not only got all that amazing uh, content with the the team at the Greensboro Science Center, but uh, also kept being able to bring you all pictures of Miso and of Zuko and Azula and of the Bintlets. And um, yeah, just, you know, the, the, the baby pygmy hippo, you know, Huckleberry and and Holly, the the adult, and um, just, yeah, all of that cool stuff. So it does help if you are a patron. And uh, as I mentioned, you can do so for as little as $3 a month. We have a $3 tier, a $5 tier, a $10 tier, and a $20 tier. And of course, the $20 tier are my red panda level patrons uh right now those are dr laura shank dr stephen williamson and barbara bennett and if you choose to be a red panda level patron you get to hear your name said in every episode like those people did just now see it really works really well so yeah, um, along with some of the stuff you're going to hear here, um, you also get some other cool stuff when you are a patron. Uh, for instance, I have done episodes where I just share a little story of something going on in my life. I've put up some polls and asked some questions about the shape and the future of the podcast. Um, and I've also uh, even done some full episodes that have been patron exclusive, and I'm hoping to do some more of that in the upcoming year. So uh, there are a lot of reasons to become a patron, but hey, I totally get it if you can't or don't want to. So don't feel any pressure from me. However, I'm not going to lie. It is cool to have more patrons. It is helpful. So uh, yeah, I put this out every year so you can hear a little bit of what you're missing if you're not a patron. So without further ado, uh, let's get to it. Here are some clips and snippets of my my various patron interviews this year and uh don't worry you will get to hear a poop story poop story 
we're going to start off with some bonus audio from my friends Krista and Kaylee at Wildlife World Zoo. Now, these are two pinniped keepers there, and um, I just love these two so much. Uh, I, I've stayed in touch with both of them, and um, Kaylee's actually moved on and is now at Ocean Connections, Inc., who I would love to have on the podcast sometimes. And uh, Krista's still doing the thing, leading her team at Wildlife World. So let's hear a little bit more about what they had to say. I don't know if you two know this or not, but your uh, your main animals are marine mammals, and you're in Arizona, which is a desert. So talk to me about the challenges of marine mammals in the desert. How do y'all make the pool? Is it salt water? How does all of that happen? How do you take care of these animals? Is it easy to get vets that know anything about these animals? You know, all that stuff. Like, I feel like there has to be a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so we make our own salt water. Um Yes, From a lot the of- tears of interns. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of, we are we are looking for applicants for our summer internship. <laughs> um, but yes, actually, we have 50-pound salt bags that we uh, pour into the pool to create the, the salt water. Um, it's, of course, tested twice a day and uh, to make sure that we maintain all the standards. And, um, as far as the challenges in the desert, so we have the heat here. Um, so we have to chill the water, um, to make sure that it's comfortable for the animals. Um, also we do get dust storms here. So that's, that's a big one. Um, so our animals are all trained for a recall. So we have a whistle that we can blow at any time and they should stop whatever they're doing and go inside indoors so that we can close them indoors and we don't have to worry about um, them being out in those elements. Uh, It is very highly reinforced. So um, it's, you know, we very, very, very rarely uh, have refusals for that. So that's something we work on all the time. Um, And as far as veterinary care, we have a great vet staff here. Um, They are just so fantastic. I feel so lucky to work with such a great team. Um, But we also have a consulting vet from Vancouver Aquarium, um, Dr. Marty Helena. Um, And so he is always there to answer any questions and he comes out periodically to, uh, you know, check on them. And so that is, that is how we do it. Um, It's, it's pretty amazing. And yeah, like I said, it's, it's a great opportunity to bring uh, marine life to the desert. Yeah, that is really cool. And I'm curious, you mentioned um, that they have a recall and they have to go inside, you know, in those moments. What is inside like for them? Do they have like a pool and stuff? Like, is it, you know, what's it like? Yes, they have a, yeah, we have an indoor pool as well. That's also chilled. Um, It's air conditioned, nice and cozy for them. Um, They also have access to different areas as well. So they're not all just in one area. Um, and it's, it's a very highly reinforced area. So they, you know, tend to not refuse to go into those areas, (laughs) which is exactly what we want. Right. No, that's very cool. Very cool. And, um, poop, I just had one other thought go into my brain and then it flittered right out. Um, hold on a second. 
Uh, go inside. Bah, bah, bah. So while you're thinking of that, yeah. it, was, it was pretty great because during COVID, um, we had, you know, we didn't have guests for a while. And so we were able to really, we were able to open up all of the gates, all the doorways. And um, so we, they got very desensitized to new areas, uh, moving different pathways. And I love cognitive training and um, challenging them, uh, you know, mentally. And that was one thing that we did. We were able to do recalls and we would close um, you know, all the doors except for one. And they would, you would see them kind of look, turn, go to the next one. Oh, that's close and figure it out. And that was, I think, uh, really, really awesome to see. And, um, so we, we know that our recall is strong and that, uh, they have that, that thought of, it's not just, I only go through this doorway and they can, you know, think about, uh, how to get back there in several different ways. Oh, that's really cool. I like that a lot. That's really cool. Um, and then the thing that I was going to ask that I, I remembered now was um, – so normally y'all have um, two sea lions in your shows, at least when I was there. Sometimes apparently there are otters. All right. So if you want to hear uh, more of what they were talking about, including what question I forgot and then remembered, well, you'll have to become a patron. Um, but that's one thing that I love to provide for my patrons and um, I really do think it is, it is like – uh, an extra bonus feature is that I don't edit the patron bonus content at all unless like something is specifically asked to be cut by the person I'm interviewing. I don't think that's ever happened, but I'm not going to lie and say that I wouldn't honor my guests requests because of course I would. Um, so you get to hear a lot of the fun and the goofy and the forgetful and like if there's an interruption, whatever, you kind of just get to truly be there with me and see what the process is like, which I always find fascinating whenever, um, you know, any of the podcast hosts or, or other media people that I like do that kind of thing. So that is an extra perk. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm not going to play any of it on this, but uh, one of the patron bonus things was literally just me and a guest just like messing up the interview repeatedly and laughing about it and having fun with each other and uh, going completely off the rails. And um, I like that kind of thing. And I think it's fun, but it would have destroyed the episode. Uh, but, but my patrons got to hear it. So yeah, good times. Now, moving on to the next clip, uh, one of the cooler things that happened towards the beginning of the year, uh, this last year, um, well, this year, we haven't quite moved on yet, uh, was that the FOSA SSP, also known as the Foosh SSP or FUSA SSP, reached out because they're trying to get more zoos to get FOSA. And they thought that appearing on here would be a great way to get the word out. And uh, it was really exciting to have them on. And um, Elizabeth Johnson was one of the guests who obviously we've had on before. She's at Naples and, and she's a great friend and now hosts the Mothering Wildlife podcast, which I produce. So check that out if you're not. Um, but yeah, so here is some of of the bonus audio from that episode and the other noise that you just heard was bonus audio of paradiddle shaking her head you're welcome actually you know what i'm going to tell you a funny story um this is you know just a free free-ranging episode oh hi paradiddle okay i'm being invaded um but paradiddle today was hanging out with me uh, while I was eating my breakfast, and I tend to eat sunny side up eggs every morning and uh apparently 
Uh, I dropped a little bit of egg on the floor, which made the yolk break. And so Paradiddle was helping me by diligently cleaning up the floor and um, didn't realize that the yolk was dripping all over her head. So she was just covered in egg yolk. I love my puppies so much. But anyway, uh, that brings us back to the uh, bonus content from the Fossa SSP. Enjoy. All right, patrons. So I am here with Brittany and Elizabeth, and we are talking FUSA and all kinds of other stuff. And I have some extra audio for you. And and folks, what I thought would be fun to talk about here is, is the connection that y'all have, because you're clearly friends. You clearly get each other. You were even discussing in the episode, like, Elizabeth, you have this new position. And Brittany, you're like, oh, and she's new to the position. And like... <laughs> Y'all aren't anywhere near each other. I know where both of your zoos are, and it is, it's a distance. So, like, how do you all become like BFFFs, which I'm calling best FUSA friends forever? And, um, does, does the connection to the animal build your relationship, or are you just really good at faking it in public? All right. We'll be back after this quick break. What's all around you, almost everywhere you look, and makes your life better? Birds. Learn all about these beautiful creatures in this wonderful new podcast called Birds of a Feather Talk Together. Two experts guide two newbies on their journey to learn more. Mallard ducks, ivory-billed woodpeckers, Hawaiian honeycreepers, blue jays, cardinals, sandhill cranes, and more. Each week we discuss a different bird and walk away with a better understanding of the birds all around us. Oh, and we have a ton of fun doing it. Listen now. You're going to like learning about these birds. I guarantee it. So that's actually really funny that you bring that up because Elizabeth and I have never actually never met, met. person. <laughs> that was my assumption going into this. That's amazing. Um, we are Facebook friends, so that helps. <laughs> that counts me for know something. That, that helps me know that she moved into this position as well as we um, started a Facebook page for FUSA called FUSA SSP and Interest Group. Ooh. And we did introductions on there. And she also mentioned about her new position. So I was like, oh, heck yeah, girl. Um, <laughs> but um, probably Elizabeth's inbox is just full of me messaging her about all my just like pipe dream ideas. So I have a friend that made a FUSA logo and I'm like, what do you think? Do you love this? Like, do you want to do this? I, I, thought of writing a children's book what do you think like and it's just like all this and I'm like just... yes I love it exclamation point exclamation point exclamation yeah. point <laughs> that's what she comes back with is yes I love it like <laughs> so um it's been it's been really cool because even though I feel like since we haven't been like in the same room we've been trying but like with conferences and stuff it's so hard um and we're a little short-staffed at the zoo right now so uh blank park zoo is hiring for all those out there see lion um, trainers it's closer than Phoenix, yeah, actually saying. yeah so uh two sea lion positions and an ambassador animal. So, um, yeah. So I think that just bonding over a common goal has made it very easy. And Elizabeth and I seem super open to just like trying anything. So, um, and then with her tufted deer, I'm like, yeah, like if stuff like this works, like, heck yeah, do it with no. your tufted deer. Oh my gosh. Sorry. She's pulling on my cord. Get out of here. <laughs> I love um, that. No, I love that so much though. I, I've got to tell you guys, and since this is so with, with my patrons, I'm, I'm, you know, 
it's a little less censored, a little, you know, I, I, I'm because they're, they're, they're people who really care about the field yeah. and the podcast and all of that. And honestly, I can't share any more of that with you because, uh, yeah, it did get very private and there, there was a lot of conversation and, and kind of inside baseball stuff. So, uh, that's, that's the clip from there. But, um, that, that was a long one. We went on for another like 10, 15 minutes, I think. So, uh, yeah, sometimes these, these segments are as, as short as 30, 40 seconds, just one quick story someone wants to share and and sometimes we just ramble all right so uh as you may hear uh not only has paradiddle joined us but now flam has joined us as well and and flam is a very vocal dog and um frankly i'm really enjoying hanging out with my puppies so you know if you guys get to hear some puppies i don't think anyone minds too much it's an animal podcast and all that you'll you'll have to uh give me a second here i've got to get her ring toys because she really loves her rings and she just dropped them on the floor and uh apparently is too tired to go get them herself so um that's uh that that's roughly the level of how well flam has trained me uh so there we go all right uh this next bit of um patron bonus audio comes from our dear friend natalie berry and um one thing i like to do is just talk to people about like their personal experiences um especially if they have anything about them that that might be a little out of the ordinary. And uh, so so that was something that I did with Natalie a bit. So here is a little bit of that patron bonus audio. Enjoy. All right. Hello, patrons. We are back with Natalie, uh, who doesn't have an E at the end of her name, by the way. She's very fancy. Um, and we're going to go a little deep on a subject that um, – I, I think is very important to talk about and, and, you know, I, I want to slip past the PR screeners. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, um, I do want to have a real conversation about this with you. And, and I, I think my patrons are the right people for it. So you are an absolutely beautiful woman who models and has like, you know, that whole thing going for her. You are a blonde. You are bubbly. <laughs> you are also a scientist. And one of the first things you said to me in this kind of like giggly voice, you were like, I'm just, I love genetics. And I was like, oh my God, these are my people. Because yeah. like, I just, I, I love that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I'm curious, especially being out here, you know, do you encounter sexism do you encounter people who look at you and are like oh yeah she's cute she can't know she's bad animals or anything like that like what has that been like for you yeah yeah i do thank you for the compliments by the way <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean lucky enough when i first got into the like fish husbandry industry i worked for a woman an awesome woman she works at the seas now so it wasn't really apparent at that point. Um, it wasn't until I I did my dive master internship in California. And when I got back, I was trying to get a job at a dive shop. And, you know, the dive shop I worked with in San Diego, they were awesome, you know, and I didn't think it would be a problem. But then I would go to these dive shops that were supposedly hiring and, you know, they would look at all my credentials and be like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Like all my credentials are right there. And they'd be like, I, I need to call the shop that certified you. And I'm like, why? You know, and I, I don't know. I guess it occurred to me a little later that 
you know, if I were to have been a man, they would have been like, yeah, we're always looking for people, you know? So that was just kind of the first instance. Um, and then uh, throughout my career, I have had a side job of modeling and I've noticed that when I go out to those gigs, <laughs> you know, people just kind of treat me like I'm stupid. will kind of just like say whatever they want to me. And people will ask me, I get a question, very common question of, is this your only job? And I'm like, no, I have a full time. And they're like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm an aquarium biologist. I'm an Aquarius. And they, they'll go, oh, so, so you're like smart. <laughs> and just treat me differently. And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but just interactions like that. And I, I have had a supervisor who was very sexist. Ah, um, that sucks. Yeah, not only to me, to other coworkers that I had, and it was very unfortunate. And I did not have a good time. And I was even questioning if I wanted to stay in this field at that point. And yeah, so that story obviously goes on for quite a while. But uh, let's go to another person with whom I discussed a similar but different topic. Uh, Stephanie Stronsnick of the PA Bat Rescue. We had talked a little bit and she hinted a little bit at this in the interview. She mentioned, you know, oh, we are we are real people. Don't forget that. And um, so, Steph, uh, where was that coming from? That was coming from the the fact that sometimes um, people forget that behind organizations are people. And so I am not a paid member. Um, we are an all-volunteer-based organization. So all the money that is generated for the rehab actually goes back into the rehab. And um, sometimes we, we do get um, people who don't understand that the rehab is made up of people. And so we deal with everyday life like normal people. And then we deal with a little bit extra. So you do deal with compassion fatigue, which is, you know, doing the same job every day for 16 years and deal and working with animals, whether it be a veterinarian or if there's an ER doctor, this all falls under the same pretenses of compassion fatigue. And, um, some of us are dealing with severe health issues on top of that. How has that, um, you know, your health issues, um, mm -hmm. you know, how, how, how do those affect not only like the work that you do, but also like, you know, just the way people interact with you? Yeah. Um, so the health issue, I guess, um, to dive deep into it is I have heart failure. Oh, sorry to hear that. That's okay. I'm totally fine with it. Cool. And, um, I've had actually, I just had, um, a, I guess you would say a checkup with my cardiologist. And in August, when I was working in the rehab room with one of our volunteers and one of our staff members, um, I had um, experienced a um, episode that could have ended my life. And so I do have a defibrillator. I do have all these, you know, preventative measures in case something happens that is life ending. It won't be life ending. And so on top of, you know, working with the bats every day, sometimes 18 hours a day in the summer, every day, seven days a week, I deal with heart failure and heart related complications that require me to either be hospitalized or seek additional treatment, or even just 
not pushing myself and trying to take it easy. And so one of the fundamental issues that I struggled with for a really long time was allowing other people to do my job. And so I, I've been doing this for so long that it was like, nobody else can do it. And, you know, to my standards. And so it's, you have to, you have to understand that you're not going to be in the same health position for the rest of your life. And there are people capable and there are people willing. And so I had to let my guard down and trust a little bit more. And I have a really great team. I don't even know how many volunteers we have anymore. Maybe seven, five. I don't know. It's a lot for me. Um, and we just had a, a volunteer intern um, application that we just posted. We're looking for more volunteers. And so my team is growing. And I'm I'm proud of that because these are people that will someday take over. And that's important. When you run an organization, when you own a business, anything that you do that is going to outlive you, you need to always prepare for that to outlive you regardless Um, so I am so thrilled to have people that love this as much as I do. Well, wow. That's, that's a great attitude. Um, you know, on a, on a slightly lighter note, uh, no, 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 I I love that. I love how real that is. Thank you for sharing that. But, um, you are also a wildly tattooed individual. We touched (laughs) on that a little bit in the interview. Um, but um, other other than than most of your face, not even all of your face, but most of your face, the the stuff that I can see is all ink. <laughs> which, by the way, awesome, awesome. Um, and uh, but I'm curious, like you know, I know that the animal field has a lot of tattoos in it. It's not uncommon. Uh, you're not going to get to work at Disney. Uh, no <laughs> spoiler alert. Nor, but, nor do I want to. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Um, but um, has that had any impact on on your um, your interactions with anybody? Would you say? Yes, I um it has definitely had an impact. Um being a mostly tattooed female, it's almost as though I'm not taken seriously. And it was interesting, even my cardiologist, um I love him dearly, but um he didn't take me serious either. Like how can you be educated and still present yourself the way that you do? And I am a chameleon. I love being a chameleon. Um, I might outwardly look one way, but, um, internally I'm very different. And so it's very hard for me to fit in because I have a very scientific based mind, but outwardly I fit a different trajectory, which most people assume. And that's the problem we assume. Um, and so a lot of people never took me seriously or thought that I had any, um, logical indication of what the heck I was doing. So I have actually aided in the um, significant research with our biologists. And I think it took years of um, dedicating myself, not for the sake of them and not for the sake of them accepting who I am. Um, But for my own sake, I wanted to learn about the species. And so I dedicated myself. And um, in some regard, I know more than them. And that can... uh, Thankfully, they have the personalities now that are very communicative and accepting. And now I'm almost like a team member now. Um, So it took a little while, took a lot of hard work um, and, and showing that, hey, I'm a person that is educated um, and has the ability to um, 
do research and ha- and ask questions that nobody else has asked. To this day, nobody has asked those questions. Um, so I think you should never assume. And this is something that I am teaching my stepchildren. This is something I'm always expressing to myself is never assume somebody is one, one way or the other, whatever they may be, because you never know when that person is going to cross your path again and be important in your life. So don't burn those bridges. I mean, that is such great advice. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we talked on there for quite a while. It was, it was a good time. And sticking with the theme of being um, maybe not the most common looking uh, zookeeper or animal professional or scientist or however you want to put it, um, when I talked to Hassan Bayan at the uh, Maryland Zoo, we talked about the fact that he is a person of color, which is not something that you see a lot of in the zookeeping field, and uh, discussed what that is like for Hassan a little bit. So uh, here is some of that clip. All right. Hello, patrons. Uh, Thank you for being here. Uh, We love you. And uh, I have some extra content uh, from my interview with Hassan at the Maryland Zoo. And um, we're going to we're just going to get right into it. So Hassan, I don't know if you know this about yourself, but you are a person of color. Whoa! <laughs> I know. Shocker. Shocker, right? And um, on top of that, you uh, you mentioned that you you know did not have a formal education um, no. coming into this position. And I'm curious what your thoughts are about both of those things and if they've put up barriers and how you've overcome them and how you're helping your community now. Absolutely. So one thing that I like to mention about zoos just as a whole, being a black man working in a zoo, it is really important to remember that there was a time period when there was a black man kept in a zoo. Adabanga up until the early 1900s was in a zoo. And so there has been a huge and steep and sometimes tumultuous learning curve that the modern zoo has gone from, from being this place of purely education or, excuse me, of being purely sort of fun and come here and see the menagerie to actually we're going to establish themselves as places of conservation. And now in today's day and age, not just places of conservation, but places of inclusion, places of equity, uh, places of diversity, and not just for making sure that uh, the animals are doing well, both physically and mentally, but also making sure that the people who work here are also doing well physically and mentally. And so I say all that to say that in this field, I am, I think, I can count on one hand how many black men that I've met in this field. Uh, shout out to my man Anwar uh, from the Philly Zoo. Uh, you know, it's not really a lot of us here. And so in working and starting out, I oftentimes felt really alone with a lot of different cultural things. Like I would say certain things that people were like, we need a dictionary for you because we <laughs> absolutely don't know what you're talking about. And so uh, I think one of the things that was one of the biggest barriers for me, though, uh, was my education level. I won't kid you. I wasn't the best student in high school. I was really into the girls and I was really into playing around. Uh, but I have been incredibly passionate about nature. And so when I finally did find that I had an opportunity 
to really go the distance in this field, uh, I cut out all distractions. I mean, in this field, you miss the birthdays, the holidays, you know, weekends are not a thing. Like, I think I have just, no, I know for a fact that just now, uh, 10 years in, I'm getting like a Friday, Saturday weekend. And so I say all that to say, uh, you do have the ability to get this advanced education without having to give uh, uh, all the money that you'll ever make ever into student loans, you know, like you can volunteer, you can intern, you can break into this field. Now you will work for free and you will have to work multiple jobs to be able to make those ends meet, but it is possible. Uh, the biggest roadblock that I'd say, and uh, that I really want to just thank the Maryland Zoo for working to break down is the pay. Uh, I feel like this is the first time where I can truly say that I really don't have many financial difficulties. Nice. And outside of that, uh, they've also realized that one of the biggest barriers for people of color getting into this field is the fact that internships often aren't paid internships and that you don't have a lot of opportunities out there where you can uh, actually make enough money to be able to survive off of. And if you're worrying about where your next meal is coming from, you can't really give your all to this field. So even if you do kind of nuzzle your way in, it's really hard to stay in. And so one of the initiatives that started last year and actually uh, we were able to take on a second candidate this year. So we won't just have one, but two uh, is the Mary Wilson Scholarship Program. Mary Wilson is one of the most treasured former zookeepers here who actually just passed away not too long ago. And she was the first black zookeeper here at the Baltimore Zoo or the Maryland Zoo in Baltimore. And to help celebrate her legacy and all the barriers that she broke down, uh, we actually have initiated a new intern program where the people who we're looking for are those people who don't have the degrees. We are looking for those people who may not have that level of experience, but they have the passion. And we're going to pay you. So you get to come here. You get to get that wide breadth of experience. You get to work all throughout the zoo. You get to have FaceTime with the vet and with the veterinary team. You get to go out on some of these conservation missions like the wood turtles and the box turtles. And you get to talk to zookeepers day in and day out underneath of the tutelage of a mentor. And you get paid to do it. Uh, and so it's just here at the Maryland Zoo, it just feels like home because it feels like they care about the same things that I care about. That's incredible. Um, being on, you know, some, some, and I can listen to Hassan speak all day. That is, uh, the epitome of passion. And I just love that dude so much. Uh, he makes me want to go back to the Maryland Zoo at Baltimore. Like, I, I like it there anyway. It's not like I don't want to go back without him. But listening to him speak just as I'm putting this together literally makes me start looking at my schedule and thinking, when the heck can I get back to Baltimore? That is uh, – that's just an impressive dude. Um, you know, and one of the fun things about getting to do this is oftentimes uh, when I get to talk to my guests after the interview, 
uh, things kind of loosen up a little bit and just get a little more chill and um, go in some unexpected directions. And that happened with uh, Dr. Lauren Howard of the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Uh, Now, Dr. Howard is who I talked to about EEHV in one of my most popular ever episodes. And uh, afterwards, uh, we talked about all kinds of stuff. We we talked about uh, career advice for up and coming zoo vets. We we talked about um, my experience drumming with Emily the elephant, and kind of um, talking to Lauren about that a little bit. And uh, then we started to talk about getting PR approval to get the release of the episode and everything. And she mentioned that they were busy with the Rose Bowl because the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance actually had a float in the Rose Bowl parade at the beginning of the year. And um, this was back then. And so uh, I just thought this was really funny, um, just like just a funny random turn of conversation. Keep in mind when you're listening to this, this is a veterinarian who is also like a really big deal researcher and all kinds of other stuff. Uh, It it really shows just how human everyone is. They're all pretty distracted with the Rose Bowl, but I can check in with them next week. I bet. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we went up and decorated it on Monday. Like I brought my kids and nice. the the largest giraffe again the butt. I <laughs> I did the whole butt area with flowers. So. You know, that's just not something that you think about people doing. Is like like you're a, you're a veterinarian and you're making giraffe butts out of flowers. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking how uniquely qualified I am as probably the only one in this entire building who's actually had a hand in a giraffe butt. <laughs> to do this. This is fair. This is fair. I'm curious, do your kids like understand that they get this like do they have like a really cool do they do they get to meet a lot of animals and do they understand how cool what you do is and that they get to be a part of all of that? Yeah, you know, it was definitely um up and down cuz I I did do a lot of travel at one point and at one point when my son was very young, he said, "I hate elephants, why can't someone else take care of them?" So that was like a warning call for me, but um my daughter actually wants to be a veterinarian and a zoo veterinarian. Oh, um, nice. So I'm on, you know, all the stuff you said about veterinary medicine. I, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I'll, you know, we'll work on it. But they do, um, yeah, they they do recognize, like, they. our cat was so standoffish. The first cat they ever pet was a cheetah cub here at the park. Um, <laughs> so... That's that's their lives. So yeah, they um they recognize that I have a unique job and um they uh they enjoy it when they get to see certain things. At Houston they own the zoo and they knew everyone and they could go everywhere. The park and the San Diego Zoo are so much bigger, they don't have that um intimate familiarity, but they still um they they still like the access and my son thinks I euthanize too many animals, but um, that's zoo medicine. So. Yeah, that's that's all vet med. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll get texts from Zoe and she'll literally just be like, how's your day? And she won't respond for an hour because she's busy. And then she'll be like, I killed six cats. And I'm like, cool. Good, mm-hmm. good story. Yeah. And sometimes uh, all you get when you get your extra patron bonus stuff is an extra. It's time now, don't you know? we come to the end of the show. But there's one tale left to go. You're gonna laugh and say, oh no. It's time for the Ron Safari Poop Story. Okay, this is 
less poopy, more feedy. So sometimes when you get animals in and they're, um, you know, like I said, the first thing that happens is they might not eat and that will tell you that there's something wrong. So we don't let them just not eat. We tube feed them and we tube feed them like fish gruel if they're stingrays. So one time I had to tube feed this massive stingray. She was probably three and a half, four feet across. And I had to get into the pool and these two guys were supposed to be holding her for me. And I had to like blindly reach under and pass the tube in her mouth to go into her stomach and also like push a giant syringe filled with uh, gruel in it. And so the stingray, I passed the tube successfully and I was about to push the gruel in and the stingray just got loose and it took me for a ride around this whole pool. And the two guys that were supposed to be holding it for me just started laughing and like, (laughs) they're like, you're riding that thing. I'm like, well, you're supposed to be holding it. What are you doing? (laughs) So I didn't live that one down for quite a while because I rode the stingray around, but I I couldn't get off. Right. right. That's... (laughs) That's amazing. Awesome. Cool. Well, again, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And of course, that was Dr. DeLon from the Mississippi Aquarium. Uh, And yeah, this has all just been such a slight taste of what you get when you are a patron. So I hope you all enjoyed this. I hope you all enjoyed uh, hearing from some of the uh, more favorite guests that we've had over the last year. And I'm excited to get back to our regular interview episodes in 2024. Y'all, does that sound weird to anyone else? Because that sounds weird as heck to me. That sounds like the future. And I mean, technically it is, but like next week. And that's not the kind of future it sounds like. All right. Anyway, it has been a blast bringing you this podcast for this whole year. And I am looking forward to the next year. Yay! Steiderk. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.